Welcome, everyone, to the victorious Season 2 finale of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Right now, I'm in a cracking heads, not asking questions frame of mind. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes 221 and 222, the two-hour season two finale event, SOS part one and two, is brought to you by Nature Max Supplements Natural Omega-3 Fish Oil, 1,200 milligram capsules, healthy benefits that will change your life. Now with our new Cree formula. <laughs> Time to catch you up on what went down in these episodes. Our teaser here picks up precisely where we left off last week. Jai has just, Jai Ying has just shot herself. Uh, she falls to the ground. She then tells Sky that uh, Gonzalez said in humans should be exterminated, that everyone needs to uh, be gotten out for safety. Um, Simmons wants to see what's going on with her, see if she's okay. And, uh, Jai Ying tells her shield has done enough. Uh, May and Coulson, uh, are having a discussion and, uh, Simmons comes in with the news that Jai Ying has been shot. Coulson wants to know what the status of Gonzalez is, but it's unknown at this point. And in a Quinjack, uh, there is, um, a scene where teleportation comes in uh, once the techs pick up on the movement. Gordon attacks and the Quinjet is taken over and opens fire on Afterlife. Pete, there is in this intro act, picking up on the, the spirit at the end of last week's episode, such a sense of, of basic uh, lack of fairness. You know, it's like, there was an opportunity for peace here, and clearly Jai Ying's plan is just so involved here that I think I think it even took most viewers by surprise that not only has she shot herself, which you know we saw last week, but there's this well-orchestrated plan here with Gordon, with the, the foe attack, etc., and it's just this, this sense of all that is good with our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is suddenly crashing down. Sky crashes down along with some others here as the Quinjet turns away and uh, Jai asks her as all part of this orchestration, which Coulson refers to it later on, why would you let them do this to us? And indeed, I mean, saying this, Jai does to Sky, kind of, you know, just preparing to sacrifice her daughter uh, for these objectives, irony of ironies, and an opportunity, by the way, to say, yes, we are podcasting this this SOS part one and part two as one whole episode. So if, if uh, you're watching abroad and it's been it's been split in half or you're watching on, uh, you know, home video, watch both episodes because yeah. <laughs> we're going to be covering stuff fast and furious for the two hours combined. Sky is confronted by uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. She uses her power on the gun to disassemble it. She then has a standoff with May, who tells her she needs to stand down. Uh, but Sky said 
it is too late to fix this. And uh, May wants to get at Gonzalez. They fight. And uh, May telling her in the middle of this she doesn't want to hurt her. But Sky assures her she won't. And uh, with a sorry May, you're not welcome here. She uses her powers and renders Melinda unconscious as we end our tease. The the fight was was pretty good as fights go. Uh, certainly the the shocking moment there when May is uh, is quaked away. Not a huge shock, but just kind of this definite moment of wow. Sky has just crossed this line, and uh, as you say, Pete, we're taken to the title card, and then a rare commercial break. After the title card, not usually how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does it, but uh, clearly they are playing with the pacing for this two-hour event. Definitely. Act one of our first episode begins on the Iliad with Agent Grizzly Adams speaking to uh, Mac, still bound and determined to depart from S.H.I.E.L.D., And uh, their chit-chat no sooner over than a klaxon goes off and they are told by another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that Gonzalez is dead, that they're waiting on orders. I dare say that um, there's this space in between hand of the writer, bad, and completely inspired and organic writing where sometimes the writer just needs to say, look, Mac is here. Here's what everybody is finding out. Now Mac will stay, and that's that's rather the function of this scene. Cut to the Quinjet with Cal singing, Matt, I believe I'm half a Cree. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the, uh, you know, Daisy, Daisy. No, he did, he did do that by the end of that scene. Okay. He was singing early on. Uh, Coulson and Weaver argue over... Uh, uh, whether Gonzalez was there to do something or wasn't. And Weaver talks about the great links that uh, Gonzalez went, um, that she went to procure a gift for the inhuman Ying. Colson directs Weaver to the carrier as the senior agent. And uh, Cal continues singing a bicycle built for two, Matt, which is also known as... Uh, daisy daisy yes by the way pete in this scene the video conference background thing i thought it was really used nicely just this giant screen i don't know whether they had the actors that uh, clark Gregg was acting alongside of or, or, or opposite of rather i don't know if they had them like actually doing that stuff live or if it was taped onto you know onto that screen but it was really really effective you know like we've seen it so many times before with fake screens, Star Trek, that kind of thing. And it was just fabulous to be seeing it happening live and, and real. However they were doing it, it was working. And as they are working on healing Ying, Lincoln and Sky have a discussion here um, that this feels off. Lincoln explains that she needs rest if she's going to heal. There, there's something appropriately um, out of sync in this particular scene. Um, we know that Jai has come back from worse, and I mean, clearly, you know, they're they're hiding the reveal in a little bit of how she how she heals herself. But it's it's nicely done that it kind of feels to us like, am I confused or did I miss something? Like it's 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 rare that a show can hide 
um, I don't know, intentional mystery without us saying, oh, look, it's a mystery. And, and it was really nicely done here. From there, we catch up with Hunter and Fitz who are tracking the transponder that Bobby had in her Quinjet. Um, that uh, Bobby here is uh, uh, somebody who's resourceful is something we've long since established. It's a nice scene of bonding too between Hunter and Fitz uh, who's capable of finishing his own sentences. We have that power too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's essentially, they do tech stuff to try and find her. It's kind of this it, much like agent Carter returning. This is a bridge between other scenes. Exactly. Sky and Raina meet and uh, very top heavy dialogue between the two of them Raina telling sky that everyone thinks flowers are delicate but she reveals that their fates through her visions are intertwined it's the thorn that protects the rose or in this case the daisy and i know that sky had a little trouble following the metaphor here i think to people at home particularly once there was the thorn that protects the daisy. It was like, oh, dad is in play, which works out well because dad is in play. Um, oh, I guess I guess Sky will... If Sky spends enough time with Reyna in these future scenes and episodes, I'm sure she'll be able to catch on before too long. And it's Reyna who tells her that her purpose is to help Sky become what she's supposed to. That they'll never speak again, that your mom is misleading the Inhumans, that you were meant to lead them. One of the greatest insults in Afterlife is your mom. And here, Raina, <laughs> Raina dropping it with a plum. Speaking of her mom, Gordon uh, comes to Jai with a duct taped hostage. Uh, tells her that the plan worked, that they are all willing to fight. And Jai says that she is hopeful that Sky will do the right thing. She tells this hostage she's so sorry and then absorbs his life force. <laughs> and proof that there is no job in show business too small. Uh, I refer not to the actor playing shield techie, but rather whoever's job it was to put the fake duct tape around the actor's face. It cut his face in such a way where it almost made him look like a skull before he was having his essence drained from him. And uh, it was just a wonderful little bit of either intentional foreshadowing or great, great luck. But regardless, it worked. Back at the playground, uh, Cal still in his headphones uh, Colson confronts him and wants to know if he's going to tell him why he's really there. Cal says he is a peace offering, that he's a present and also a hell of a Jim Runny partner. <laughs> it was only in this scene where I was finally clear as to why he's been wearing these headphones. It's to protect his, not not, not to protect his hearing rather, but to close out his hearing from you know, what's going on around him to keep him out of the loop. And it's used nicely where, you know, Colson's had enough of him back on the headphones go and send him on to uh, our favorite uh, little cellar prison there. Between Colson and May, the subject of Sky comes up, uh, whether she's been lost and May affirms that she chose here. 
um hunter and Which is fitz, even worse pete that's even worse it is hunter and fitz meanwhile have id'd agent 33 with bobby um and uh it's from there that we pick up with bobby at a table with uh ward and 33 uh ward wants her to admit that uh she gave uh, Kara Palamas up to Hydra. And there is an edge here with uh, Brett Dalton's performance where, you know, all the joking that we've done all, all season, Ward's coming home, so on and so forth. There's an edge here where the fact that he ends up at the end of the episode in, in unquestionably villainous territory, they're, they're continuing obviously from the you know hints of that in previous episodes but there's an edge here that it's just wow he is he the actor really is committing to to the evil of this guy well again we come back to choice matt and you know we'll get to it by the end of the episode but why is he making the choice something to discuss in level seven i suspect indeed the subject of her mind control and everything that went on there comes up and uh, that Ward wants to make Bobby confess. Um, and, uh, and out come the needles at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kara tells uh, Ward that she doesn't like needles. Act two of episode one. Uh, Sky is talking to Ying and uh, asks her how she is even up. Sky's been shot before, and uh, this is, Jai says, inhuman. She said the thing. She, she said the did. thing. She did. There was a lot of saying of the thing in this in, in this two hour season finale. <laughs> With that, too, Jai hands the three coins over to uh, to Sky in part because. I guess we need a visual metaphor when Sky is eventually going to give up on his mo- uh, on her mother in a little while. But bring those three coins if if you come back. Right, and the subject of worst and best days ever has also been something of a theme over these last three or four episodes. And Jiaying uh, maintains that it's the safety of their people that they need to stop hiding and start fighting. And I mean, what's so wonderful about the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe properties, whether it's movies or TV, is they're able to kind of give you connections to the real world without overdoing it. And I mean, here it's just kind of this notion of, are you going to fight preemptively or are you going to, as is said later on in, in sarcasm, are you going to try and hug it out? And here, what's the message of the show early on? Go for the higher road, go for peace, because it's all falling apart when you don't take that route. And despite May telling Coulson that Sky has already made her choice, this is where the choice is put in her hands. She's given the coins, the the gift that had been given to Zha Ying, and told here that uh, she needs to bring that back to Zha Ying if she decides to fight. 
With that, we move back to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in what I think uh, was was probably put up on that writer's whiteboard as the proofing (laughs) scene. There's proof that S.H.I.E.L.D. was played by Gordon. They all share that. There's proof that 33 played S.H.I.E.L.D. too. I know that we were told that by some characters, but now everybody knows it. And and it's all just, all right, well, we've all proven to everybody that there's this stuff and this thing and these guys and these, there's just proof everywhere. And Coulson very much exists in the first, you know, three quarters of this two-parter to point out, this is Sky's mother, this is Sky's father, this is Sky's father. Uh, <laughs> it just seems we, we get it from the perspective that he's got to be the voice of reason with everything going on. It just felt a little redundant to need to voice those objections to everybody else well i think there are times that the show as a standard hollywood production isn't quite sure what to do with colson and and it doesn't happen often in the show but there are just the there are these times where it's like hmm should we have ward with his shirt off fight (laughs) fight sky you know half asian 20 year old woman with superpowers or should we have Clark Gregg go out there? And, and I mean, I think there's just there must be discussions. Do you say, um, can we do beefcake versus cheesecake, please? Um, so there's occasionally these times where it's like, what do you do with Clark Gregg? What do you do with what do you do with the everyman in a show where these people are increasingly unique? Um, so I think there's maybe some of that here. Although later on in part two, boy, do they make up for it, you know, in handfuls. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I hope you like it, Brett Dalton. Yeah. Uh, so having the video of Bobby leaving and knowing they need to track her down, Hunter's going after her. He needs a pilot and May is his gal. Colson explains here that Ward being the wild card that he is, his logic is rarely logical. Um, something we'll talk about with Bobby in a minute. Um, but that, uh, may wants to find Ward and kill him is her primary motivation. And Hunter says, you know, I'm glad we're on the same page or words like that. And the let's kill Ward statement mentioned enough in these two episodes where I thought they were headed towards something. So good job on the misdirect show back with Bobby and Ward. And uh, he is explaining that he has made a concoction here of an anesthetic mixed with a paralytic that uh, he's going to insert into her fingertips here. And Kara, former Agent 33, explains this is how she felt when she was helpless, uh, having been given up by Bobby, that if she cooperates here and admits her sins, it'll all work out. But Bobby tells her uh, that what happened to her was a tragedy, that she did indeed give up the safe house, but it was the needs of the many, Matt. Not the needs of the few or the one. But by the way, Pete, speaking of the one here, not feeling all the pain, Mockingbird, I thankfully don't know anything about actual real, you know, torturing of people, but... For TV, this works so well that because she's numb, she's not going to feel any of it. So she's not going to be able to kind of mentally fight it and find that place where she's going to get around it. 
And when the pain, uh, when, when the numbness goes away, rather, the pain is just going to come crashing down and she won't be able to avoid it. Again, I don't know if that's like legit in the real world, but it, it was extremely effective writing. Well, you know, what was effective and who wants to fight is Agent Weaver. And she wants to go after the Inhumans here. Mac, who uh, in the midst of leaving, did not get off of the carrier Iliad here. Uh, with Gonzalez dead, he is in tow, and the timeline of three hours to continue gathering intel is thrown out there. And uh, Mac asks Weaver if they have a problem, uh, but he is the former chief engineer of the ship, and he needs to get it battle ready. The character of Mac, I don't think, has ever been given kind of the the spotlight, say, that, uh, you know, Hunter has in terms of uh, comedic moments or... Um, until this moments. episode. <laughs> Indeed, until this episode. So it was this kind of strange moment of like, wow, they're kind of putting Mac on a pedestal here. And it's so welcome that in the 21st hour of the season, you can be finding new places for characters to go. It's It's fantastic. It really is. And we'll talk some misdirection there a little later on as well. Um, meanwhile, back uh, with Cal and Colson. Cal is uh, under a blanket here. He's not a polar bear, Phil. Um, but Colson uh, assures him they're paying attention to his vitals, but he knows that surrender is not his thing. No, he's there to kill agents. All true Losties had a thought when he mentioned the polar bear there. But <laughs> most importantly, it's it's um, a scene where clearly something is not right. And I feel that if we're going to take a couple points off on the show here, the notion of like, oh, hey, he got on the helicarrier with those vials. That, that's kind of weird. Now, granted, they needed to leave Afterlife quickly. But then it's like, oh, hey, Colson, he took these vials. That's really weird, isn't it? And then here we are like, Look, his heart rate is a 188 and he's cold, uh, you know. That's huh. There's just there's kind of no immediacy <laughs> where it's like we need guards down here because you know, like 2 plus 2 equals 5 with this guy. We're not quite sure how he gets up to 5 so quickly and so powerfully, but something's not right. So let's get some guards down here. No, it's just kind of like whatever. We have the 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 the, the wall thing. We gave him a glass, drinking glass, which struck me as kind of weird too. Maybe not prison procedure, but there was not quite the immediacy here with with this guy. Maybe the fact that we know he's Mister Hyde and those kind of comic book right. um, implications. Maybe that's maybe we're reading that into it more than is reasonable in their world. I don't know. Well, when Coulson asks Simmons what she's been able to glean. Uh, she launches into this long-winded and simulta- simultaneously hilarious explanation of a number of steroids and, uh, no lie, a drop of peppermint. <laughs> in many, many an Alex Rodriguez joke made on the Twitter this evening. Yes, yes. But Sky's father has taken three of these. He should be dead. Pete, he should be dead, but he's not. Fun fact, uh, eagle-eyed observers will notice he is not dead. <laughs> uh, but what is dead, Matt, is uh, the dog. Indeed. 
and I I thought for a moment, for a moment, that as Mockingbird is explaining how 33 has been molded and indeed brainwashed by Ward, I thought that there was this moment where 33 would start to come around. Um, but she is just so blindly in love with him. Ward remade himself, and she loves him for it. There's the implication that she too can remake herself. Um, and I will confess, Pete, in that scene, as uh, 33 gets closer to Mockingbird, Bobby there with the, you know, torture spikes under her fingernails, which is just particularly visceral and awful. Um, I was convinced that there was going to be an off-screen, you know, thing where 33 pushes and the implication is she's pushing them deeper. I am so thankful that they didn't. Right. But uh, Kara will always stand with Ward. Indeed. As will so many of you, the Hydra people. <laughs> Jai and Reyna meet... Uh, outside on a bridge at night and uh, the role of advisor comes up here for uh, Reina. She says it's not for her to lead, but to illuminate. Um, but she's seen things and uh, Jai asks her, does it succeed? And Reina tells her it's sky that her grandmother used to say she'd be an angel um, and while they can be guardians, they are also heralds of the truth. And, um, you know, she's become here uh, what she's meant to be, uh, that uh, she has to show what Ying is, even uh, in the darkness it will uh, lead to. And that's all well and good and really kind of thought-provoking, this notion of the, the angel as guardian, the angel as herald. Um, except that Not Jai, the angel as guardian, the angel as a guardian. we got to be careful with the intonation. Indeed. My point being, it's a really interesting kind of notion of what Reyna's role will, will, will be in the future, except then Jai stabs Reyna. And it's it's made very clearly just by how Raina falls and just kind of those standard TV um, presentations. Raina is officially kaput, and Sky sees it. And I would have liked if maybe there was a little extra moment for us to acknowledge that this character that's been around since I want to say episode one hundred and five um, has now exited the series. You know, any dramatic presentation is going to be imperfect, and I know that here we we add to that. A specific minute count that these two episodes must fall under but uh, yeah again i wish we could have had a moment to say goodbye to reina but uh with that end of act and and trouble is further afoot act three begins with sky after reina's rather unceremonious exit from the series asking her mother what she did and uh Zhang Ying explains that Reina had threatened her, but uh, Sky uh, maintains that it's Jai Ying who wants the war, despite the fact that Jai tells her daughter that she struck first, that she has built this community in the middle of nowhere. If they're going to survive, S.H.I.E.L.D. must be destroyed. She will not live forever, and when she's gone, Sky must lead. And this scene is the perfect example of the pace that S.H.I.E.L.D. has approached in the last couple episodes. 
though Sky uh, Jai rather is spinning it as self defense, which is not an unreasonable interpretation if you just walked in at the last minute sky figures out the truth in two seconds and then jai ying admits the truth about the truth in one second after that because we cannot slow this train down right sky's knocked out she's taken away um from there it's colson wanting to know what jai ying's plan is despite the fact that we just got jai ying's plan um at least part of it to sky and um, this is Cal who really ate it up in the middle part of this two-episode presentation, asking if he could get a glass of that water, which, once he gets it through the little shield there, pours on himself. And then he asks if he may have another one to drink. Pete, Kyle McLaughlin in this series has been playing Cal as such a wild eccentric guy and it's taken to new heights in this episode not not un, unnaturally or unreasonably and I realize now that we're done with both of the episodes why because he's headed for that last scene that he has as Cal the goodbye scene and that's only made possible and only made genuine by the fact that he is such a nutball in scenes like this right and you know depending on his level of cooperation here with Colson, uh, you know, whatever's in those vials, it should be killing him instead, his own special formula, uh, you know, that he never quite got right. It's not going to kill him. It's going to, of course, make him stronger, but it's worth the risk. Indeed, Pete, he mentions that it, uh, was highly unstable and made him Moody, which is uh, an understatement to say the least. Right. We go to Spain where the Quinjet drops down and May and Hunter uh, search the one that Bobby was last seen in. They find some damage. That's Hunter's Bobby. She never goes down without a fight. Indeed. uh, May says, if anyone can handle things... It's Bobby. Cut to a moaning and crying Bobby, presumably in bad shape. However, Pete, super minor detail there, and I don't think it's the first time that it was shown, and it's just shown for a moment. There she is working the shackles out from the table, and it definitely is meant to be seen and missed or seen by some. Yes. You know, where it's it's the Dharma shark. Where uh, Ward has coffee because it's going to be a long night and begins the monologuing of how they're so alike that Coulson never saw them coming. Um, Bobby wants to know where Kara is. She's told that she's sleeping, that uh, she uh, needs this closure, though, that has been the mantra really for both Kara and for Ward. Um, but, uh, calls Ward out on his hypocritical nature here before she's finally free and they fight through the room, through the hallway, through the window, waking up Kara and everything in between before, um, they come to a halt. I dare say we lack the the stunt words to properly describe and even if we knew the stunt terms it wouldn't do it justice this is a fantastic fight all the smashing and the throwing through things and the hitting and the blood and whatnot 
I genuinely think, Pete, that as they saw some of the um, highly technical fight footage coming out of Daredevil, that they just decided Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has to step it up. And if you can't step it up with, you know, kind of ninja moves and that right. kind of Daredevil high high act, or high level of, of martial arts, then we're just going to take bodies and just smack the hell out of each other. <laughs> this scene, I mean, before 33 approaches... There's no better moment of the gender equality in Marvel television than when Mockingbird and Ward are just equally powered, just beating each other. It is wonderful. We've noted it in particular on our Daredevil podcast, um, but the fight action, as you said, since that show has been released on Netflix, has picked up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And even throughout this second season, a precursor to Daredevil I think they really got their game together as far as the action far exceeding anything they did in season one. Absolutely. Kara explains to Ward that she's not feeling it, that, uh, that Bobby doesn't care if she dies and Ward knows what to do. And of course they cut away because why show if he's going to shoot her right now? Right. Back on the carrier, Agent Grizzly is uh, speaking to uh, somebody else in the hallway before Gordon bamps in. Um, We have Coulson and Cal continuing this monster innuendo discussion, lies, taking out the village, all these things. And Coulson confronts Cal with the fact that he has always been there to do Zha Ying's dirty work. And with that, Pete, his, uh, his heart attack hits. And uh, I don't know if the show wanted us to go as deep as I'm about to propose, but Pete, Cal really is all heart. And that he has a heart attack <laughs> is a reminder that he is, it, it is all about his heart, you know, his, and, the, his emotional heart. And why can't we lose him, Matt? Because... I don't know. He's Sky's father. This is true. And that's um, why they shock him <laughs> after he flips off the gurney, the nails, Matt, the nails that come back up. <laughs> uh, you were looking for a monster? <laughs> I like that there was this notion of, oh, it's going to be the you know Mr. Hyde from the comics and, and whatnot. And I like that they held off until this point. Um, right. Just because I think the assumption was, oh, it's just going to be, you know, Kyle McLaughlin ranting. That's going to be how he gets really angry. We've seen him just, you know, rage out and kill a whole bunch of people because he's really angry and really good at it. That's kind of the extent of it. And I like that they finally went to the makeup here. And as Act 4 begins, he grabs the syringe off the gurney and he says that that's what he was missing. By the way, Pete, I don't know that I love the makeup on him. Um, It was an unusual effect. It almost looked a couple times like he was being played by a different actor. I agree. And you know what? I'm a little sympathetic to the fact that there really are not a ton of scenes that he's in the makeup. Is it perhaps, I mean, it's just this kind of, I know it's intercut with other stuff, but it's just him in the hospital and in other hallways throwing things. So I get that maybe you didn't have a ton of time to do makeup testing. And after the first day you go, okay, let's do this differently. Let's do that differently. We'll edit around the stuff that we don't like. Um, 
again, it's one of those things where a TV production is this train and they're laying down tracks and fine, it didn't look great. It's not worth getting too hung up over because it lasts for maybe eight minutes. We have this great scene where Coulson and Cal are separated by the glass here. Uh, Cal is beating on it. Um, and, uh, you know, he talks about this uh, sliver of a man being left in Cal. And then he breaks through the glass and then they hit him with the icers. Great line there, Matt. There goes the feeling in my legs. And it's not uh, long after that that he passes by a big tank that says nitrogen. And I thought that it was so prominent. I was convinced there was going to be like, and then Colson karate chops the hose and freezes him. Yes, the tank ends up getting picked up at one point and thrown towards Colson. But I guess kudos to the show for not overdoing the prop department in terms of like, you know, now we're going to T-1000 him and freeze him and shatter him. Right. And, and he's not only raging here, but he's raging through the dialogue that, you know, he always does what Ying asks. It makes him happy. It's why she loves him. Indeed, his uh, his primary motivation there. Hashtag all heart. And it's while this is happening that uh, Mac is creeping around the carrier here. He sees somebody while he's hiding, uh, carried, wearing very familiar looking gloves or gauntlets. And I will admit it was the first time I noticed, and it might have been the first time it was introduced in the episode, now that I look back over the notes, but just these these, you know, dampening rings that, uh, you know, very handy prop to say no powers while these are on. Um, and also their reminder that uh, Mac is on the move, our, our savior on the Iliad. And we go back to the Quinjet with Hunter and May who are uh, tracing, but they wonder if it could be a trap that they've been there before. They've done that. Um, and may still all about finding ward and putting a bullet in his head. She's in for that. And Hunter dials Bobby's phone and ward reacts. And, um, it's, I don't mean to overly mention the pace here, but if you're going to have a fast pace, this really works where, Hey, we found the phone and you call it. Then you cut to him seeing that call then not answering, which I was a bit surprised. Um, but of course, they know that Hunter and company are coming, and that's when there's the the reveal that explains it all, that this trap has been set up. Uh, it's a the, trap! Indeed, it is a trap. Uh, when the door opens, blammo to the head, and, um, you know, what will what will Ward feel at that moment, Pete? Uh, closure. Closure, indeed. <laughs> Back to the helicarrier where the guards are around the mystery Cree stone or device. Gordon uh, comes into room 47 there, uh, teleporting in with uh, some others and asks them to put their weapons down or everyone dies. But it's Mac who is going around there with an axe and, uh, notices a redheaded woman who we've seen briefly before who multiplies into 
many more here for people. Um, yeah. Noted on Twitter as a female version of Multiple Man. Uh, in my notes, I referred to her as uh, the copy girl, which I thought was rather clever. And uh, I'll just mention just uh, editorially here, more redheads, always a good thing. Yes. Later, of course, uh, called by Mac in one of the better lines that he had, and he had some really good ones, a ginger ninja. I like to call that a ginger Janinja. We're gonna work on that one. Janinja. Yeah, the uh the the G could be silent. It could just go ninja. Ooh. That works. Like like Noki. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. Uh Lincoln then uh shows up and uses his electrifying power to uh drop the lights. We then get uh, red light where our red head is uh, doing damage. Um, Agent Grizzly Adams explains that the comms are down. He updates Weaver uh, and she says that anybody left uh, still needs to fight down below. Um, as she's relaying this over the, uh, the monitor to Colson that they're under attack from a number of gifted assailants. Cal is uh, wreaking havoc on the TV. And certainly a nice transition there. And it's something that the show has done all season long where they're really interested in telling things as linearly and also as real time as the story can call for it. So to have, to have um, Weaver, you know, calling Shield HQ, giving this warning, and then we see that warning at Shield HQ abruptly stopped uh, by the smashing and the throwing and the general tantruming of uh, Mr. Hyde here. Really, really nice transition. And as he's chasing Fitzsimmons, Coulson then pins him with a Shield SUV. And uh, now that it's just uh, the two of them, they're going to talk. Um. Nice, nice bit of storytelling there. Sometimes, you know, I, I, there must have been a, a discussion of, uh, you know, oh, let's have a big fight scene. And then sometimes you just say, no, Indy takes out a gun and shoots him. And it just <laughs> it just solves it like that. And it really it, it changes the tenor of the scene there. They're able to say the things that are at the heart of the scene. Uh, Jai is the monster. Cal is not. Um, and Cal admits that he was just trying to put his family back together, which is something that I, that I think we have both never forgotten and that we also constantly forget. Um, he admits that she had a good heart, but it was torn out. Fantastic metaphor there. And uh, that's when that's when Cal is starting to turn his perspective. Before we had gotten to that on the Iliad, the redhead and the other Inhumans had given the all clear. Gordon uh, explains that the ship has been taken to Jai and Lincoln wanted to know what happens now. And uh, Jai told him, now we begin. But Pete, we're like 45 minutes into this episode. We're only beginning with her plan. How duplicitous. Yeah, yeah. And despite that conversation between uh, Cal and Coulson, and I'm pretty sure I saw the the device that uh, 
they had used to try to get uh, Fury out of his uh, SUV in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. That kind of like battering ram was used. Absolutely, to that battering ram on a tripod thing. Pin, yes, yeah. Because um, remember that was that was shield on shield violence. Right, shield uh, tech. Shield tech there. Um, that it wouldn't hold him long enough and, and just long enough to have that big hearted conversation, everything there. And the idea that he had reassembled, it's the necessary exposition that we have to get. And at the same time, it's heartfelt and really few actors could do that. Like McLaughlin did it here working of course with Clark Gregg that he had reassembled Zhang Ying piece by piece um, that before Whitehall, an elder would sacrifice herself, um, you know, so that Jiaying uh, could continue to live on, and the heart being good, as we talked about before, but that heart had been torn out, and now she has to take lives to heal. So this was Cal who had supplied those lives. So his carnage was not done out of some wanton need of destruction. There was a method to his madness that he was keeping his wife alive through that. But he had to make good on the promise to protect their daughter. And Pete, did I read uh, either the implication or, or the, the outright statement that this notion of all the villagers that were killed um, when Scott, you know, the day Sky was born that, you know, and whatnot, that that was for her? That no, was, indeed. That indeed. was for for, for Jaying, which was just this incredible recasting of this story. And I'm sitting here saying, when did we first hear that? Was that this season? Was that I think it was I think it was last season. We first heard about the massacre last season in season one. So there you go. I mean, to properly now have explained it in this episode, it's just masterful storytelling. It really, really is. Well, so much of this second season cast a different light on what we saw in the first. And I think that's really layered storytelling. Absolutely. And um, the fact, not to tip the tip the ending, but the fact that the ending suggests season three is going to be a retooling of the show again, I find really interesting that we now, we had one kind of flavor to the first half of season one and then something else for the second half. And then there's been a bit more cohesion here, but along the way, adding a whole bunch of new characters, adding new sets. And apparently now we're in the process of tearing it all down again. Really, really exciting stuff. Well, given what's going on in Atlanta right now in the filming with Captain America Civil War, there'll be quite a bit of buildup to that event, which internally... Uh, Marvel is referring to Avengers two and a half. Fun times. Yes. Back on the Iliad, Sky is in a cell and uh, Mac comes to help her out, knocks out the uh, one redhead there. It's you and me, Tremors. <laughs> not a bad uh not a bad nickname certainly and what secret power does he want sky to use not the you know earthquake thing hack into shield right she's got this history of doing this so why not go with that um Zha ying has um agent weaver and grizzly adams cornered and uh that they have this uh beacon code that they're sending out. 
then she does not want them to disable it. Instead, she wants to expand it. And uh, at this point, we're now, uh, at least by my count, fully in the in the second hour. I really appreciated that they didn't do um, anything to break up these two episodes, even kind of the notion of something at the 10 o'clock hour. The 10 o'clock hour came and went, and we just continued mid-scene. Um, just a, a minor detail, but one that, that I think spoke volumes as to the, the uh, confidence that the network has in this show. Lincoln uh, wants to know what they're going to do here. Um, and Zhang uh, Ying asks these agents if they like rare gems, that this isn't a bribe, that it's an incentive. And um, Agent Grizzly Adams, along with uh, a couple other agents, are put in a room and uh, the revised tampered with Cree crystals, the inhuman uh, creation here uh, go off and uh, kill these agents. RIP agent Oliver. Pete agent Oliver was somebody who we frankly barely knew. And in some episodes didn't even appear when it would be logically so, but there were two things that were fab- fabulous about him. One was his resplendent beard, and the other was that he had a resplendent beard. So we pause to note the passing of Agent Oliver. And back to you, Pete. There's a there's a hipster feces in his beard joke to be made, but I, I just I can't in light of his loss. Pete, there's a hipster living in his beard. <laughs> That's the it's a metaphor for the untold unseen cost of what happens when you escalate violence that they think they're killing Agent Oliver but they actually kill three people some of which have lived there since 1968 and his majestic beard but the upshot being that uh Jai's demand that they either expand the beacon or there will be more casualties um Mac meanwhile is uh, trying to make sure that this doesn't happen as he gives us the exposition that they do this. Every agent they have will show up at the carrier. Uh, The ginger ninjas uh, continue to pose a threat and uh, Simmons and Coulson have a scene with Cal. Pete, we have Cal calming down and then we are coming home towards home which is this kind of awful, you know, empty factory thing. Yes. And uh, Hunter is looking for Bobby. We've got that big gun set up. She is gagged and the tension takes us into an act break. We pick right back up with uh, Hunter. Uh, Ward gets a guard and uh, another guard sees Agent May and uh, wants to know if uh, it's her and it is instead Agent 33. The old switcheroo back here yet again. And by the way, Pete, is it Hunter or is it Hunted? Yeah, well, the Hunter Ah. has become the Hunted and um, May uh, 
tells all the agents to converge on the southwest corner of the building, that uh, they should not let their guard down until they see her face. And uh, with that, Pete, the bopping about back and forth in her her prison-like chair, uh, that of Mockingbird, um, it finally it, it it finally is going to be paying off soon. I, I would be remiss to not mention that there's a bunch of great little fights leading up to the gun firing, Ward smashing a guy into a sink, thirty three right. knocking a guard down a flight of stairs. I mean, these these nameless, faceless stunt guys really earning their keep in this episode. But, you know, one of the stunt guard guys says, so we know, you know, he's the last guard left, but she, uh, 33, doesn't know that. Um, And as Bobby takes the bullet in the left shoulder, um, Ward uh, thinks he's uh, drawn down on May, shoots three times, and only to find out that this is not May. This is Kara as the static veil powers down. It's a good trick and one that um, certainly was hinted at by the radio business of everybody go to the such and such corner. It happened so quickly that as um, the shot woman is, is saying, oh, baby, and he's falling to the ground, I wondered if maybe it was indeed May and she had a vest or something like that, you know, that there was kind of like a double switcheroo there. But I think it's better this way that Ward took this broken bird, fixed it, fixed its wings, made it this awful thing, and then unknowingly, unwittingly killed it. May finds Hunter and Bobby, and they start moving towards getting her help. But we slingshot from there back to this uh, Cree stone device, and uh, Gordon and Lincoln have an ever-so-brief conversation. Gordon asks him, uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Uh, but if it's in the wrong hands here, it would be lethal to their people. And Lincoln asks, how dangerous are we? What Jai did with poor Agent Oliver was murder. And Gordon calls it necessary to protect. And he reminds Lincoln here, don't forget what life was like before we found you. Pete, this is a portion of this two-hour episode, just to say this kind of, I don't know, first third, first half of the second hour, that because the overall two-hour story takes kind of an extended epilogue for the last 15 minutes, it makes the pacing here, I'm not even going to say weird, the pacing from scene to scene is just fine, but I just kept myself looking at the clock at this portion of the episode saying, but there's 40 minutes left. There's 35 minutes left. They're starting to talk more about this rock. Like it was kind of difficult to sit and say, and the big fight will be at 10 minutes before the end of the episode. And then there will be, you know, it was that kind of thing to the benefit of the show because we're obviously headed somewhere with the rock, just not this season, but you couldn't tell it upon first viewing at this point because of how the overall two hour experience is paced. And uh, being confronted here, uh, you know, about his whereabouts, um, originally, Lincoln, um, Gordon uh, says here that they're not going to do anything S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't do, that uh, it could get worse, and that he would be wise to remember this. 
it's a nice use here of Lincoln because there's something really affable about the actor. And even though he's made it clear um, through the course of this double length episode thus far that he is loyal to the to the dogma of uh, of the Inhumans. It's a nice way to use him as this kind of wavering, you know, what should I do looking from, you know, the 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 rather awful visage of Gordon onto that of Sky and saying, you know, where where do I stand in all of this? And it's there that Mac and Sky transition from one scene to the next where they're walking and uh, he's going to find a power saw in case she is unsuccessful. Pete, with that, we're back in S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters for uh, prepare for the coming scenes. Uh, Fitz says that they can prevent Gordon from teleporting. Um, and there's also um, the notion that Mockingbird is uh, out and they need to get the uh, – or she's on her way. You know, She's been incapacitated. Right. They need to get the OR ready for Mockingbird. And she comes in. There's a lot of, you know, PCP, Chem 7, Stat, you know. Uh, yeah, Ming-Na hasn't barked that many um... – medical orders since uh you know the first couple seasons of er call back (laughs) um but it's all about pushing it forward here as they prepper for surgery and uh then we go back to sky who is uh tracking down this beacon link wants to know how she got out and uh we hear his uh, powers start and we go into an act break and come back to see her from a strange angle get electrified. There is some really unusual camera work in this episode. Yeah. And um, this is a great example where the camera's just turned on its side and she's slammed into the wall and the camera turns around. A lot of um, steady cam stuff, particularly in this portion of the story, too. Um, I wonder if that was just artistic or if that was for time or whatever, but it really works here because we don't know what's going on, but we know a body just hit a wall and then wide shot reveals there she is and he's standing and she's been, she's been shocked and whatnot and, uh, quite a good way to start the act. And it's the way, you know, both visually and in terms of dialogue to get the points across that sky is telling him about Gonzalez, about Reina about how um, the agents that have been killed here, that the two of them can stop this together. Tell me where she took those crystals. You know, Pete, I'm reminded, and this is probably the first time anyone's ever going to have compared Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Citizen Kane, but there's like <laughs> there's like the cockatoo three-quarters of the way through, the, uh, through Citizen Kane, and why was it there? Orson Welles said, to just kind of wake up anybody who is asleep. It's not art. It's just there to wake people up. What's the function of this scene? You're like 75, 80 minutes into a two-hour episode. It's a nice opportunity just to wake up people and say, hey, here's what's going on right now if you're just joining us. But it's the fan room that Lincoln tells her is the destination there. And Sky reminds him, you know what happens. Um if they break near a vent. Indeed, it would it would cause a mighty wind that would affect it would affect everyone on board. We got Andrew uh back, May's ex in this episode, and he has a rather touching conversation on the phone with uh his ex-wife Melinda. Um 
just wanted to hear the voice, but uh, that he's not heard her voice like this since Bahrain. It's, it is a touching little moment, um, but I think it's more than just kind of a narrative breather. It's more than an opportunity for the show to pause before the next big fight. It's maybe 30 seconds long, 45 seconds long, but I think it's setting up possible character stuff for the next season, po- possible stuff hinted at at the end of the episode, and uh, perhaps a bit of a reconciliation there between Melinda and Andrew. Well, his catchphrase there... Uh, through Blair Underwood, do good, Melinda, and get home. Indeed, telling. Indeed, a man of a man of few words, but words that count. Pete, we go from getting home safe to Fitz leaving home, suiting up, and Simmons is worried for him, and she wants to have the talk. Yeah, and uh, he asks her this. This is the time that you want to talk about this she brings up what happened at the bottom of the ocean you know in last year's season finale or the episode before that (laughs) um as this scene progresses by the way just wonderful acting decision made by ian decacister uh as she reaches for him he does not make eye contact and he is in the process of walking out indeed might leave the room not having looked at her and it's just this it's everything about Fitz. He, he's angry and he can't confront her, but he is confronting her, but he can't look her in the eye because he's angry and still loves her. It's, it's, it's wonderful, just all wrapped up in one scene. They are this show's tragic couple. And as I said on Twitter, you know, sometimes even real men can ship. And, and if this scene doesn't do it for you in the shipping department, well, I don't know. Then, then you have no heart. We get a great FX shot of several Quinjets streaking through the horizon. Pete, I love the uh, the lines here. This, uh, of course, a uh, Tancheron and Whedon script. Uh, this notion that um, May calls Cal, who is on board, a loose cannon. And Colson says that maybe we need to let this cannon loose you know, during the fight or words to that effect, just kind of this, this turning around of, you know, even a loose cannon can, can help you and cause damage in your favor. Right. But they've sniffed out through sky's help. Uh, they've got something of an SOS. Ooh, the title of the episode. They said the thing. Uh, yeah. It's a trap second time here. And um, that Shield 218 orders all of the others to fall back. Well, May asks, as we the audience, what about us? And Coulson says, we're going to finish this. Indeed. And with that, we get the act break. And then back right where we left, Coulson has landed. Uh, a fight breaks out between Sky and the, uh, the lovely red-haired copy girl. And Pete, this is a portion of the episode where it's not that I had trouble taking notes. It's that so much was going on and I couldn't stop watching because it was just fantastic. This is in many ways the climax of the season, if not the climax of the actual story. There's just so much going on in this act. All of it wonderful, like in a little bit, science, biatch. Yeah, and... The whole 
tenor of this time on the carrier is that these crystals are going to the fan room. And Ying had told us prior to the act break that uh, when that happens and they break them, that the people who are sprayed with it are either inhuman or they're dead. So these, you know, crystals that are modified, as Sky has explained, they're lethal. Um, and uh, Cal uh, talks about how his uh, beef with Zhang Ying is a family matter. It's uh, his wife. It's his responsibility. And uh, the transition between some of these scenes, by the way, there's Mac dueling Gordon in the fan room and as there's a there's a wipe from there to to jai being revealed kind of mac white walks by and that reveals the cut for the next scene had to certainly mention that in the editing um but more importantly in that jai and cal confrontation there jai's kind of twinging cal yet again that he swore to protect his daughter and there's 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 really um an interesting progression over the last number of episodes where jai ying has gone from you know, mystical mom to just, just the villainess of this all. But who's Mac, Matt? Mac is the person who is going to kill Gordon. Right. And itself you know, a misdirect, but also an awesome line. They just keep coming. And when, uh, Jai is speaking to sky talking about how their descendants are everywhere. Something we will certainly see, with the way that this episode and this season ends and the repercussions of that, the, uh, the ginger clones close in, uh, Mac and Gordon continue to tangle, uh, or the character that Mac refers to as no eyes. (laughs) It's, it's, it's such a complex, uh, Fight. I love how there's the axe um, before too long. Uh, we, of course, have uh, Fitz and Colson there. Fitz setting up the blocker trap thingy. Um, and it, it kind of goes by so quickly that uh, I have to admit, they, they've made it clear that it's a trap, but how it is, like, they do they need him to come there first? It's kind of, again, it's a muddy portion of the story, but in the story's favor where things are moving so fast that we kind of need to see it see it presented to us um, before we're completely clear on it. And it's amazing that while this action is going on, there's further misdirection. You know, Gordon um, has a line that he speaks to Mac where he says, you know, you've encountered something Cree. Is that why you were leaving S.H.I.E.L.D.? And, uh, you know, you're led to believe all this time that Mac's going to be exposed to the Terrigen Mist the same way we lost poor trip, but maybe because he's encountered this before, particularly with Zhai Ying's heavy line before they're inhuman or they're dead, that he would survive it. And I mean, everyone, but everyone on Twitter was saying it's going to come down to that. And there were, you know, people want to be the first one to predict that it's going to be Mac who, who now is transformed in retrospect are we really going to do a fall finale and a spring finale where somebody is mysteriously turned into a new thing? Uh, it's to the credit of the show that they don't go that route. Um, and frankly, the fact that we were all expecting it made it all the, the more wonderful that they that they didn't go there. 
there's a lot going on here, Matt, in multiple locations. Um, you know, Cal has been teleported behind a porthole door, so he's stuck now. Colson finds Mac. They have these quantum field disruptors ready. Colson reminds them that uh, he batted over 400 in Little League, but we'll see how his glove is in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sky continues to fight her way through, and uh, Lincoln and May rescue her. Um, they get the gauntlets off her, so now she's fully weaponized. And as Colson, uh, Mac, and Fitz are in there with Gordon, and again, Fitz getting maybe one of his greatest lines ever. <laughs> um, they trap Gordon. Zha Ying is on the deck there uh, as they have the trunk full of these modified crystals, and it all leads to an important conversation, Matt, with Sky. Uh, indeed, and it's it's a conversation that... Uh you know, just kind of comes down to trying to do the right thing and uh, and not escalate this this confrontation. And I think the whole time we in the audience are watching it saying, no, don't get too close, don't get too close. And then, you know, Jai unquestionably proving her villainy that here she's been so allegedly concerned about her daughter's well-being um, has lied to her for the greater good. Eh. And then... Enough is enough now. Jai is ready to take Sky's essence. Oh, my mommy. Act break. Well, you know what this is, Matt? This was complete shades of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Here you had a reconstructed villain with her child talking about how uh, the power and the revolution and the child reminding the adult here that this is about hate that has consumed her. And before we get to the part about her daughter being so beautiful, so strong, she begins to take that true gift, her life from her. Pete, did not Joseph Campbell write that one of the heroes with a thousand faces <laughs> had scars all over it and was a lady? I'm sure it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I, I really actually haven't read it, but that's just, I think it's a safe assumption. It's all connected. <laughs> and as we come back from this three-quarter mark, slightly over act break, um, you know, she tells uh, – Sky's telling her mother don't to do, not to do this. She clenches her hand. And then she forces or she appears to force her into the Quinjet, which goes tumbling off of the carrier. Indeed, a rather convenient act break. Oh, no. Sky's getting drained. Act break. One, two, three. Boom. Mom is blown away. And the more importantly, the jet is knocked into the sea. Um Perhaps a tad anticlimactic, but Pete, we have a better climax ahead of us back in the fan room because we cut to uh, Gordon kind of bamfing around within the room. Right. He's trapped. He can't uh, escape. And um, we got the very quick misdirect with the pipe that appeared that poor Fitz had been impaled when in actuality it was Gordon. That, that a boy, Turbo. 
I was horrified for those couple of seconds where it, it looked like it was him. And then I was saying, no, it looks like he's got it next to him. Like the old, you know, I'm going to stick the plastic sword by my waist and put my arm by my waist and go, ah, you have, <laughs> like, it kind of looked like it was there. And then just that great reveal of, no, it's through him. Um, and then it's about, then they're all about to die because now Gordon has dropped the crystal, Pete. Right. And uh, Coulson flashes that glove there. He grabs it and it begins to go off in his hand, which slightly convenient. It was never broken. So why it would do that? Other people handled this. But, but we get was it. Was it the, other humans? We get it from the dramatic standpoint that uh it it goes off it's it's in his hand and uh that mac axe comes in a mighty handy doesn't it matt it does and my goodness done perfectly for almost 11 o'clock at night maybe about 10 40 uh on broadcast tv there is no question he got his arm chopped off but it was not i i, I don't recall seeing a drop of blood and it you know, the arm kind of moved in a way where it was clearly re- removed, but done quickly, done shockingly. And again, it's kind of was this, oh, no, it's starting to turn, bump. And then we cut to back to the Sky and Jai fight. Yeah, she reappears seemingly out of nowhere, <laughs> having uh, believed she went down in the plane. And um, then Cal is suddenly involved there and uh he's keeping his promise and he kills his wife he does what uh sky can't um so that she'll be able to live with it uh and not have the pain pete this is done so absolutely wonderfully where he's taking her is he pulling her away is he embracing her no, he is squeezing her and ending her. It It is right. clear that it is her death, but it's done in such a way where there's no malice to it. It's just, it, it's it's really, they, they, they walk such a fine line here where somehow him killing a, a woman, this woman, his wife, mother of his child, they nonetheless present it as just and right and necessary and awful all at the same time. It's really, really well done. And I would argue, Pete, that at this point of the story, the season itself is over. The season story is over, and the remaining 15 minutes of the episode are just kind of an epilogue or a series of epilogues. This is the the denouement, to be sure. We go suddenly from from that very, you know, uh, emotional point to Andrew Garner in Coulson's office. Are you ready to talk about it as uh, some machine is uh, whirring in the background there? And uh, we see that the, the cost here in a, in a physical sense, his left arm is in the sling and uh, that uh, he's looking into options. <laughs> Can't wait to see what those options are. Uh, we had an entire season with no injection from the movie side of things. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if if that's a little bit different for the start of season three, but uh, but l- let's wrap up season two, Pete. Right. Um, Bobby has a scene with Hunter where they get 
back together. All the while, the Coulson dialogue with uh, Andrew continues. Well, Pete, let's just stay with Mockingbird just for one second there. Yeah. The, I just want to point out, though, she says that she's done. Um, we now know, <laughs> uh, actually know, <laughs> ABC says she ain't going anywhere. She's going to get patched up just fine and... We'll see you back here for the start of season three, kid. It's interesting because as it was pitched, as it was conceived, their spinoff comes out of the end of this episode. Um, it'd be interesting to see where that was coming from. You know, is, is was this we the they talked about it being like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Was this gonna be retired shield agents who get pulled back into the game? You know, I, I, I think I think the better decisions won out, Matt, in terms of what was uh you know, given the green light. She's great, he's great. They're better on this show as part of an ensemble. Not that they couldn't carry a show. But it would be a different show if it's not going to yeah. be like Shield West, which clearly they weren't thinking of that. If she's saying I'm out, I want to do something else. Like if it's going to be like the Mockingbird Detective Agency, like yeah, they they made the right decision. Bring back Carter, keep Mockingbird here, and keep all your birds where they're supposed to be. Shield after dark. <laughs> Thank you, ABC President Paul Lee, for keeping things where they're at. Now, Pete. Let's go on to Colson. Shield Rose Place. <laughs> but as Colson and uh, Andrew continue to talk here, we find out that Mac has stayed on, that he kind of owed Colson after uh, cutting off his hand, um, and he has been placed in charge of this alien artifact. May, meanwhile, has asked for time off, and this dialogue continues as we see her going through a bag, which I believe had a red bikini mat. It sure uh, did, yowza. And, and a smile goes back to the locker, and, uh, you know, you, you got to practice uh, protection, Matt. She, she gets her gun. A bikini and a gun. That is Melinda May in a nutshell. That's a spinoff right there. Absolutely. Andrew's report on uh, Sky here continues to be the discussion, but uh, instead he has a recommendation on the new program, Matt. Fitz's work on uh, mobile designs. And that's really when we first start to get the first nods that um... – Plans for season three are taking us somewhere new. Um, new designs, there's a need to be mobile, which I thought was interesting because we abandoned that this season by having Shield HQ. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the whole notion of the bus, right? You know, the bus is your standing set, and then you open that that uh, cargo door, and it's Morocco, and it's India, and it's New York. So I'm not quite sure where they're headed, but I know that they want Sky to be a part of it. Cal and Sky have a uh, final scene as um, father and daughter that uh, he says it's so long for now, but he was a fool to think he would ever get the Hollywood ending, but that he found her, that she is better than he imagined. 
and he talks about his best day ever, though he had been having a lot of them. The best, best day ever was July 2nd, 1988, her birthday. And he goes through door number three. And it is a it is a well-earned scene from Kyle McLaughlin, who spent most of this season playing the madcap crazy. And here he's gotten what he wanted, which was to bring his family together the way it should be. And the way it should be is that mom not on the scene. Um, and he's protected his daughter. And I mean, there's just there's great acting out of him here. You know, the tears and the the sorrow and that sort of thing. And then add to it this notion of, you know, but now I'm going away. And then as I first watched it, well, going away, that's prison slang. Okay, I guess they're sending him to wherever um, metal guy is who we never saw from. <laughs> you know, like, okay, fine, I get it. Kyle MacLachlan's not going to play dad every couple of weeks in season three. The fact that there's a reveal in a bit is all the more, all the more heartbreaking. Um, and again, just kudos to Kyle MacLachlan. And speaking of the way it should be, Matt, uh, a bartender looks up and sees Grant Ward and tells him that it looks like you're having trouble letting go. Uh, Ward is taking a long look at a picture of Kara uh, before a bald guy comes in with a piece of paper. Ward wants to know if this is all of the names. And um, I will admit I was surprised at how this scene went. Um, they first dip their toe in and then they go in whole hog. Uh, the, the bald baddie says that uh, the Hydra heads have not grown back. He references Strucker and List and others and how it just really seems like Hydra is kaput, which, of course, we, the Marvel faithful, know. Um and then with the bald baddie dispatched and with the kind of rather short and stout uh, guy saying, you know, yeah, hail Hydra, man. Hail Lord Hydra to that. Hail Hydra Lord to is that. done flying a solo. But this is different here, Matt. And what's the plan? The plan is to be Hydra 2. Closure. Closure indeed. We'll talk more about that in a bit because I have questions and theories and such but from such downness we cut to happy dr winslow yeah um a veterinary uh practice here opened in pete i believe he's back in milwaukee uh the good land pete it's definitely and intentionally a little bit of a confusing scene here we haven't heard him under this name dr winslow i don't recall him having been a vet before um and then the minute that you see Sky show up, it kind of, uh, I think people are able to to be ahead of the story here. Right. And know that there's some sadness here. Yeah. You know, he asks her, can I help you not knowing her? And then within the dialogue that there are adoption days every Saturday, an intentional point, you know, just ask for Dr. Winslow if you come back and to see um, that she refers to herself to him as Daisy and uh, Colson is over there with Lola and Colson still in his sling. She sky thanks him for uh, doing this, that she knows the Tahiti program doesn't sit well with him. 
But uh, the subject here quickly moves to people with powers. How many are on their list? And just the one, just Sky right now. But the uh, anonymity uh, is not going to remain much like the Avengers, which are name-checked here. And it's a really uh, interesting way to continue to operate separate from the public world of the Avengers, that they need to keep things a secret. They see what happens if things are too public with these powered people. Um, And then there's just this great, you know, metaphor that becomes literal where, you know, they, of course, that's the idea. They need to, they need to keep things secret. They shield will never be ahead of the consequences. It's like a ripple. And then we cut to the crystals in the water and then, some quick cutting, but really, really well done. We see the fish, the fish that have been caught and that have been caught up and ground into capsules. What kind of capsules? Fish oil capsules on shelves now. Fantastic. Right. So apparently people that are watching their cholesterol will become inhuman. <laughs> After all of that denouement, we come to uh, our tag scene and Fitzsimmons are with the Cree stone thing. And Fitz is rather ham-fistedly asking Gemma Simmons on a date, you know, that maybe they could go somewhere and eat something. I I like that she initially misunderstands because she's so focused on her work. And I love that this has the appearance of just being um, essentially, you know, an after credit um, movie type scene and not in the Nick Fury way, kind of in the kind of we're just going for the quick little yuck. We're going for the. The exhale after after a long season. I love that that they're that they're teasing you with that or they're tricking you with that um, because it just comes off as so breezy and it made me think of the the um, similar scene at the end of the first season of Agent Carter where even though that kind of you know jumped into Agent uh, into uh, Operation Paperclip and all that it still was kind of like separate from everything else and a little buffer to to other places. But of course, Pete, we are still very much in this story and about to jump into season three. No sooner has Fitz left the room than the door that this object that can change its shape with a liquid type consistency opens and grabs and pulls Gemma Simmons into it before uh, resuming its most uh, frequent shape, which is that of a stone with holes in it. And with that, we are off to the races to uh, the third week of September or so. Mystery fresh in hand. Indeed. Detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with Jai Yang. The baddest of them all, as it was uh, ultimately revealed here, hinted at at the end of last week, but she just gets wor- worse throughout the episode, prepared to sacrifice um, humans, prepared to sacrifice inhumans, prepared to sacrifice her own daughter's ideology, and indeed prepared to not only lose her own daughter by, you know, in some sort of firefight, but prepared to suck the life which she gave her daughter back out of her daughter again. Um this is not a show that that goes for gender tropes 
um, particularly often. But I mean, what is more damning than a mother looking to take back the life that she has given her, her own child? That's definitely the bridge too far. But for me, her appearance in this um, two-hour season finale was sealed on the bridge with Raina, where she talked about how it was Sky who was going to lead, that she wouldn't live forever. And, you know, you had to expect that she wasn't going to get out of this season alive. But, um, you know, killing Raina as she does establishes herself not just as somebody who's going to act in the interest of the inhumans but who's going to act just in her best interest which of course is the 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 sign of the worst type of leader putting their own uh, their own ideology above uh, that of the group if she's the leader gordon is the follower and his death is well deserved uh, for a while now, we've been talking about how he's kind of moved from like, you know, cool Banff guy to uh, I kind of like that that Cal took a couple swings at him. Um, I like that he was taken down a, a couple of pegs and he is such a willing participant to all this, um, you know, all these machinations here. He's the one actually doing some of the um, the, the the lies, you know, stealing the, the Quinjet and firing on the empty building and all of that. And um his death came just at the right time in my book. If only he could have seen it coming. Ah, uh, well said, well said. How about Cal, Matt? You know, Kyle McLaughlin's been such a gift throughout this season. We had the character teased at the very end of season one there in the shadows with the blood and his Dr. Cal Zebo throughout this season, just, you know, something to behold. Pete, he might have started the episode on the dossier. He certainly does not end it. Um, I think he proves himself heroic uh, as Cal and then living his living uh, the rest of his days as the happy Dr. Winslow. Um, a really nice story arc, particularly considering that he was, you know, such a bloody mystery uh, this time last year, and then for much of the season, so kind of wild-eyed, crazy to end here with him is uh, unexpected and really well earned. Agent thirty-three is yet another character, a bad guy to check out in this episode. When strangely, you know, the good guys lost, uh, you know, Agent Grizzly Adams and Coulson's hand. R.I.P. Colson's left hand. <laughs> um, I would have certainly been okay with um, her having been rehabilitated, you know, a couple episodes back and joining the team, if only in the background, that kind of thing. But it's a better use of this character to make it be Ward's pound of flesh that he has to pay with and uh, something that, you know, was an attempt at happiness, an attempt at uh, a new start and and trying to be the big brother that he never had he's trying to be that to her um although i think also he wants to be you know huggy kissy face bedtime friends with her as well um <laughs> but um she was a minor character whose death is of more importance to ward than me interesting and then you know we bring up grant ward here matt and for him to pay that price and now transition from flying solo 
to back in the you know Hydra auspices, although I really don't think it's as simple as that. And though Hydra may seem to be in tatters, we know that there are uh, casting decisions made uh, heading into Captain America Civil War, which is now lensing um, a character like Baron Zemo on the horizon. So, you know, these bigger bads need the intermediary bads out there like a Grant Ward. His actions in this episode unquestionably get him on the dossier. I think we'll talk more about uh, him in level seven. Um, the notion that he might have a home either interacting with some of the movie characters or perhaps even being a minor movie character. Uh, that certainly is a delicious prospect indeed. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's take that right over with the same subject, Grant Ward. I am, uh, I will confess, I'm confused at this seeming direction that he's looking to get together, you know, Hydra 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, (laughs) We had... Hydra be this major story point in last season, and then the teasing, um, you know, Hydra kind of, you know, by and large destroyed in Captain America and then mopped up um, on S.H.I.E.L.D. and then really, really mopped up at the beginning of Avengers. Um, but you've got a lot of threads out there. I mentioned Baron Zemo before, who we've not seen yet. There's still the character of... Uh, Crossbones, one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. strike agents who, you know, we see survive the collapse of the Triskelion and and worked on there. That would be the elegantly named Brock Rumlow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, well, I mean, yes, there are those threads out there. That said, we're kind of back to a problem or at least a question from, from the beginning of the season. Um how are you going to use this actor and use this character? Because I doubt very much it's going to be the big reveal. Here's Ward with Hydra leftovers. And it's like, okay, now it's the third season of Hydra spillover and Hydra things. Um, I think that that's the beginning of the thread, not an indication of the cloth. Well, look at his motivations here. And he keeps, you know, the mantra again, closure, uh, he was very clearly feeling for Kara Palamas. Um, he felt like a lot of villains that he was acting with legitimate intentions and that we've had the Tahiti protocol used earlier in this episode to do what Matt to rehabilitate a murderer. True. Um, I, 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 I don't. I. I really just don't have a sense of where things could be headed next season. Um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I, I. I definitely. I feel like there's more questions when it comes to Ward than answers. Well, that he's a regular on this show for the third season. You can't keep him entirely in that antagonistic light. We brought him back into the Shield fold ever so briefly, as we had been talking about all year and it happened and how did it happen Matt? it happened when a need arose for for a man of those particular skills 
and Colson brought him back in. So don't think that it can't come to that again, particularly in light of Shields standing right now. Uh, Colson, Clark Gregg, they would always be the ones to tell you that, you know, what Shield does is a secret. Shield itself is not a secret. And sometimes when that organization needs to act in the shadows, they have to use people of questionable decisions. Works for me. How about uh, Lincoln's origin, Matt, teased in this episode that uh, he was found and uh, he would be wise to remember the condition he was found in. Seems to me like a prime opportunity for a flashback story, perhaps uh, first episode, maybe second episode next season. Uh, if they're looking to add, I don't know, handsome, powered people to the show slash team, uh, they might be starting with him. I definitely think it's someplace that they can go. I don't think we've seen the last of him. One other thing from me here, Matt, it was such a, you know, uh, hinted at direction. The idea of Mac and what he had been exposed to in the midseason finale with the uh, Cree material um, in the city that we were led to believe something would happen here that he would be exposed to the mist and uh, it didn't happen. But what's up with him being around this Cree device now? I, I think there's still some possibility, if not opportunity, to continue that story. I'm going to vote no on that. I think it was a misdirection for this episode and then it was also a logical story place to keep him in the show to say, congratulations, you're the director of Cree Museum stuff. <laughs> um, and it keeps him around now. That's not to say that, you know, in when, when the show returns in September, um, that you couldn't have him go, oh, my goodness, it's the such and such threat. Better suit up once again, you know, when called and spend most of the season acting like an agent with a, you know, a gun or an axe or that kind of thing. Um, him wanting to return to this more pacifist lifestyle, I think, is just a wonderful notion for his character. Opening up the mailbag here, Matt, we have a couple of things. Um, Jeremy Richards wrote in to our Facebook page uh, saying love that Raina has always uh, was always infatuated with the clairvoyant. And now she's the precog. Wonderful observation there. And so, so true. She became the thing she hoped to be, just not in the form that she wished for. Robert T. Frost writes in also on Facebook to let us know that ABC renewed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and tells us that his fall slash winter TV viewing is shaping up pretty well. Absolutely. It's going to be more of the same next TV season and, uh, and can't wait. Pete, I know uh, next week we'll be releasing kind of a, you know, a season two you know, end of season summary kind of thing. And I know that not everybody, uh, not everybody always goes for those downloads and that certainly is fine. So 
just want to take a moment to thank everybody for sticking around for these episodes week after week. It certainly has been a blast. And uh, I know we've talked in the past about our uh, our summer plans uh, exclusively on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Um, and uh, certainly next week we'll also talk about some of the uh, scant information about Season 3, which is ahead. And certainly looking forward to that. But I uh, just want to take a moment for those of you who won't be joining us next week to uh, to say thanks. Definitely, you guys make it all worthwhile. We still have uh, two more episodes of the 13-episode season one run on Daredevil on Netflix to finish with. But Matt, my golly, when you look back at uh, this 2014-15 TV schedule for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've covered... um, 22 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 8 episodes of Agent Carter, 30 by my idiot math. (laughs) Add to that 13 episodes of Daredevil, 43. And so much of this done between um, January and now and uh, particularly April 10th and night now uh, morning, May 13th. Indeed, it's uh, it's it's fast approaching the wee hours, but uh, it, it's it's a blast having done thirty episodes of uh, of uh, ABC shows and then the other thirteen of Daredevil and Netflix. Pete, before we truly start to wrap things up, just wanted to thank everybody who has helped make the podcast possible by heading over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, the the amount of storage that we have been using has been through the roof uh, since April tenth. And uh, we appreciate you all for helping uh, helping make these digital sounds live on the magics of the internet with uh, your kind help. Again, uh, can't do it without you. And so, so grateful for our uh, patrons and our listeners. And Pete, as we start to enter the, the summertime for TV, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J. Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 5,748 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek, that's fantastic with a P-H, on the Gmail, the dot com, and best of all, most immediately, the Twitter. But Pete, some might say there's an even better way. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word and yet another way to interact with us like us and uh head over there today so again agents of shield fans if you're just listening to us on the agents of shield feed and if you won't be joining us for our star wars wednesdays on the pop culture podcast feed we'll definitely be back next week with a uh with a season two kind of sum up episode sum up episode We'll definitely be back in July for Ant-Man and probably again late August for a a season three um, uh, prediction. And uh, thank you one and all for always being here with us. And I will say one more time, adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final season two final word. There goes the feeling in my legs. (laughs) 